You're listening to Black Women's World Podcast, where we get VIP access into the lives of black women, or as we like to call us here, Sister Nistas. We get to hear from some of our favorite Sister Nistas as they share about their worlds with us. We create connections, exchange realities, ideas, and baby, we get to recognize and celebrate how powerful we really are. Our sisterhood here is real. Filled with peace, wisdom, hope, love, light, and laughter. (laughs) You know the kind you can feel. The kind of encouragement that confirms we can do anything because we have. And the inspiration that proves we can be even greater. This is our world. Where if you ain't a black woman, you may want to be one. Or definitely get to know one. It's a black woman's world. Welcome to our queendom. I'm your host, Tracy Mack. Peace. Okay, okay, listen, I hope you have had the opportunity to listen to episode one, or should I say part one, of the topic Black Love and Like, where I introduce to you uh, Owen McNeil, who has been a more than a husband, he's been a friend, a partner, and if you want to hear more about all of that, and how we talk about friendship versus marriage, baby, you have got to go and check that out. But on part two of Black Love and Light, maybe we can incorporate a little bit of what we talked about on part one just to be able to pat you in. But we're going to talk about family and parenting and business on this particular uh, part of it. Uh, But as it pertains to uh, family and parenting, you can't get into that until you've uh, at least explored the areas of friendship and marriage. Would you agree, Owen? I do. I, I agree with that. And welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you. No problem. This is <laughs> Owen Neil McNeil. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree because these those are some these are some very important pieces because um, it also uh, impacts how we were raised too. You know. Mm-hmm. And what we bring into the relationships of fa- our families and how they impact our um, our our, our um, way forward, as well as parenting. Mm-hmm. You know how are you raised? You know you know you even though, and I I think I told our daughter recently that um, that some of the things that we're telling her now, um, she may not appreciate it now, but when she have her kids. <laughs> things gonna show up you know uh, and how you deal with those different situations mm-hmm. and whatnot so but yeah and even talking about uh marriage and parenting and stuff with our now 19 year old can you believe it mm, mm, mm. because even with that i think it's, it's fitting to share the story when i i never wanted to get married and i talk about that a little bit in part one of black love and like but i was not um i was told when i was 14 i wasn't gonna be able to have children and or either not to be able to conceive and or carry to full term. And um so I it wasn't in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um and, and and it really didn't bother me. I don't know because of the age I was told I hadn't built a fantasy of any sort, but I just accepted it as reality. And uh when Owen and I first met, and you can listen to the mm-hmm. hilarity <laughs> about mm-hmm. that story in part one of Black Love and Light. But when we first met and when we decided to um, make it exclusive and look into what marriage would be like for us, I told him, I said, well, I, I don't think I can have kids. And he thought one of my nephews was yeah. was one of my, was a son of mine. I was like, no, that's my nephew. Hmm. And uh, so I said, and I know the average man, especially the black man, because that's my relationship has been with. I never had a relationship um, with a, uh, a male, anyone of another race, um, never had a relationship um female i've never been attracted to women or anything like that and all of my relationships have been with black men and i know black men and being raised by a black man they want children they want children Mm -hmm. so uh i told him i said and i thought that would be the breaking point i said i can't have children so if you can't have them i don't want them and Mm -hmm. i was like this dude got some lines i never (laughs) but i'm gonna put him to the test (laughs) So um, it was, we were seven years into marriage and Mm -hmm. he never even, he never mentioned it. Um, um, I think I did at first and I was like, well, my um, OBGYN, I wouldn't say OB because I didn't need obstetrics at that time, but my gynecologist, he said, well, um, we can try a couple of things. Let me try you on a couple of rounds of fertility drugs. Mm 
And I uh, wasn't desperate. He just happened to mention it um, during one of my um, annual visits. He said, you haven't had any babies yet. And I said, no. I said, well, you said. it. All right. <laughs> he said, well, you don't seem as problematic. He said, and it, he said, well, we can try a few rounds of fertility drugs. And so I did and nothing happened. Then we did it for about a year. And I, so I was like, I'm cool. We still cool. We're traveling. We were heavily involved in church and, and, and all kind of stuff. And um, I said, um, we'll go on. So I started having complications um, with my body, um, another form of complication. And so he suggested, the doctor suggested that I go ahead and have a, a partial hysterectomy. And okay, cool. If it ain't working, if I got parts, you know, I was already missing some parts, gallbladder and all of that. No. <laughs> so, but I was like, all right, if the parts ain't working, go on and handle them. And so we had gone um, to which gardens or Kings Dominion? Kings Dominion. We'd gone, we, and we were uh, kind of like we were youth pastors, so to speak, over a youth group. And so we were over, we were doing it with the youth. So I think the whole church went, but we kind of chaperoned mm-hmm. the youth. And I wasn't feeling good, and I was normally a person to get on all the rides, and um, um, and I wasn't feeling up to it that day. So I was holding the purses and the bags and eating <laughs> funnel cakes, <laughs> whatever. And um, on the way back, I just didn't feel like myself. And back in the day, y'all know I don't care how late you come back from King's Dominion, we out was Sunday morning. You still gonna have to go to Sunday service. <laughs> so. Yeah. The bus got back in the wee hours of the morning. I didn't feel all that great. And um, I think the week before, uh, because I had gone through the fertility uh, cycles, I had bought a couple pregnancy tests. And uh, I had missed my cycle the week before. And I looked at those pregnancy tests under the sink. And um, I said, oh, they old. I'm, I ain't going to worry about it. And King's Dominion came. So that Sunday morning after we had gotten in, we we didn't even go to bed. Said no need to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. So Owen loves to iron, and I don't. And uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> y'all, that's he, so true. He still irons jeans. But anyway, another story. That's another with story. no creases though. Still another story. Who irons jeans? Not me. Anyway, I never liked to t-shirts iron. T-shirts too. Yeah, he still irons t-shirts. Mm, mm, mm. But anyway, so out there wrinkle when you don't have to. So he was like, "Well, I might as well iron our clothes." And uh, he was going to make us breakfast. And he used to make these great omelets. He still makes them. Used to be, things change. He would just make them just to make them. Now I got to ask for an omelet like two weeks in advance. Yeah. So, you know, things change over time. <laughs> so, <laughs> But he made me an omelet. And after I ate part of it, I got sick. Hmm. And um, there was a voicemail on the answer machine from the doctor's office because I was supposed to go in for the hysterectomy that Monday and the voicemail said for them me to call because they wanted me to come in for a pre-op that they didn't do to determine how they were going to proceed with the surgery and to come in Monday for the pre-op, not the surgery. So um, what happened? What I got sick and you got sick that morning and, and um, I think we went on church. Yeah, we, we went, went on the church. church. So the next day I went into the doctor's office and they did an ultrasound and there was a little heartbeat on the monitor. Mm. And he said, well, there are too many fibroids for this fetus to survive. He said, and you'll probably go ahead and um, have a a miscarriage. And as it was presumed, I'd had one one before. And um, so I'm like, okay, whatever. And so they sent me home and he told me to call whenever I noticed that things had taken, nature has taken its course. And I went home, week went by, doctor's office called. I said, nothing. They said, okay, maybe not yet. Call back when it does. Two weeks went by, nothing. Went back in, heartbeat still on the monitor. A little weak, but still mm-hmm. there. Y'all, they sent me home again. And um, I took a pregnancy test at home, still positive. And we didn't tell anybody. Right. Not anybody, because I was like, why tell anybody when I'm going to have a miscarriage? And so that was psychologically, mm-hmm. how were you feeling during that time? Yeah, it was It was really kind of like, you know, I think I would go to work wondering, would I get that phone call today? Or, you know, what was going to happen next? Because I was kind of numb about the whole process. You know, I was anticipating, you know, becoming a father. 
you know, because it was something, you know, of course, brand new, you know, and things like that. And just seeing how my wife was going through the the agony of the possibilities, you know. So, you know, the best thing I could do is hold her hand, um, comfort her the best way I, you know, knew how to. And to be a shoulder, you know, at those moments, because we didn't know. We and had it, no and idea. And I wasn't sad. I was kind of anxious, like, just hurry mm-hmm. up. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't cry. Um, it was like, just hurry up. It's going to happen. Just hurry up so I can keep going, mm-hmm. you know. Um I think I, I don't know if it was calloused or like I said, because I'd never built that fantasy in, in my mind of motherhood. And I'd had a, a miscarriage previously, uh, years prior. Um, I didn't just just didn't have that. Yeah. And so I was like, OK, just hurry up and do whatever. Now I have the surgery and keep going because I, I had life to live, things to do, places to go, people to see. <laughs> and so I wasn't ever down. I was just anxious. So we kept going back to doctor visits. And then that's when they told us that um, there was no way this was going to be a viable pregnancy and I could terminate. Um, And if it was, then if I carried to full term, there were significantly high chances that it would be a lot of uh, mental uh, because of blood uh, oxygen potentially that had been lost. um, Fetal, uh, the fetus wasn't developing properly. So it was just all bad news. Mm. And so I think we finally told my parents. Yeah. And it was more of a, from a perspective of. We, well, the way we told them was unique, but go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. But the Pampers. Oh, I couldn't even fix my mouth to say pregnant. Mm. Me. <laughs> they didn't go. They didn't go. So what I did was we went to the store and bought mm. a bo- uh, a pack of newborn Pampers. I think we went yeah. to the Dollar Tree because I don't want to spend that much money on it. <laughs> Oh, it was a dollar general. Family dollar. Family dollar, one of them. Mm. And my parents had gone to a conference out of town. And um, I went in their house while they were gone. And I put pampers on their stairs, all the way up the stairs. And we, I closed up the house and left. And when they got back, I got a phone call. My dad said, what's with all these pampers on our stairs? And my mom was in the background. (laughs) Tracy, are you pregnant? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my god i said yeah i think so i think so i said but look don't tell nobody don't tell nobody because we don't know what's going on. and we mainly told them for prayer not only prayer if, if it was going to be viable that it'd be healthy but for me uh and owen mm-hmm. and uh so anyway that's the story about that so i spent almost all of my pregnancy on bed rest. I mean, had to count heartbeats on uh, and women. If any of you have gone through this, you understand where the, the you're supposed to have movement in your third trimester. Uh, so many, so much movement every so often. So I had to tick, had to do ticks on paper every few minutes, every time I felt the movement and make sure that um, there was movement. Mm. And um, she was born of a baby. No, they, we had to go to the hospital right. because I had an appointment and they were saying, um, we need to get you in the hospital now because all my blood levels were going crazy. Mm-hmm. And so I was in the hospital for what, four or five days? Three? At least a week. Yeah. Sure. And um, and then my water broke there mm-hmm. and 26 hours of hard labor later. Yeah. There she was. <laughs> Healthy on the outside, contrary to what they thought. But uh, later on, she was diagnosed with um, cognitive disorders, um, as well as uh, severe dyslexia and some other things. Um, she was even qualified to be in what was then the military uh, program. Family. Um, I can't remember the name. What was it called? Yeah. Um, oh, God. What was it? There's a military name. But it's fake. I can't remember. Exceptional Family. Exceptional Family Program. Yeah, that's that's what it was. Mm-hmm. She qualified to get a check and. All that kind of stuff. And I wasn't in denial, but just something in me was like, okay, first of all, I think financially we're okay. Um, um, And then I was like, let me see what I can do. And let's see what God can do with this. Mm. And so it it was hard. It was, it was. And, And on top of that, what was tough about it was the fact that not long after we had Jada, I got orders. War and deployment. War yeah. and deployment. And and I was supposed to go. We were going to be going to Japan. Rode to Spain first. Uh, well, Spain was the first, but that got janked. That got 
canceled and then uh it was to Japan and and we were preparing for that move, you know, to Japan and then all of a sudden Wait, and this was just after 9/11. Just after 9/11, right. All that happened around the same it's just all that started happening cuz that's right cuz 9/11 is when um you had Jada in, in the car mm-hmm. outside the gate. Mm-hmm. And um and that was the first time I had a panic attack. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was a series of things that just started coming together and whatnot. But I would say the 26 hours that she was in labor, you know, uh, with Jada um, during that time period was really trying, you know. Oh, tell me about it. Especially, especially with, with the, no epidural. Yeah, no epidural. <laughs> not realizing what had occurred, you know, because we're thinking that, you know, everything is going well. But. You know what was what was funny about that night was that during the time you were that that twenty four hours, the hospital did twenty six hours. The hospital didn't have a whole lot of activity, but that night the major accident occurred. Yeah, and and the nurses were not as there was a pileup accident that happened on Highway seventy, and all of the doctors were uh, called to the ER, Mm -hmm. and uh, everybody. And so when they had uh, supposedly given me, they given me the Pitocin to induce labor, mm. but mistakenly the pain medicine drip was clamped off. Yeah. So my labor was being induced with no pain medicine. And then when I was, you know, telling them how much pain I was in, um, they uh, said they were going to bring somebody to do the epidural. And yeah. that took 10 hours. For somebody yeah. to find. And then right after uh, which is why, you know, all things work together for good, because I think that is why one of the ways you and Jada became so best buddies, <laughs> because after yeah. those 26 hour, hours of labor, ended up uh, having a cesarean. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sick um, yeah. and um, I didn't even get to be the I, I didn't even get to hold her. Mm-hmm. Or feed her first, or change her first. Mm-hmm. Um, they whisked her out, oh, and um, took me back into to have a couple of other surgeries. Yeah, and I was out for a couple of days before I saw my own baby. Yeah. but she was well taken care of because because <laughs> I was there. But I'm gonna tell you right now, <laughs> what was funny about that whole experience was when Jada was born, uh, when they had the cesarean, when it when when she was first delivered, and. Tracy was like, is she okay? Is she okay? I said, no, she's fine. She's looking right at you right now. Them little eyes look, but she will not cry. She, The doctor was spanking. She said, well, she's not crying. No, the doctor said, no, that's a tough one. <laughs> this one is, this, she's, she don't want to cry. She don't want to cry, but she is fine. She's healthy and whatnot. Because when Tracy started talking, she looked, it's like she looked directly at the both of us to say, thank you for getting me out of this space, you know? And uh, but but after that, as Tracy was, um, you know, taken away to surgery and things of that sort afterwards, it was my first experience because, look, I had up until Jada, I had never even had to deal with a baby, hold a baby or anything. Like I was like, you know, she's like, we'd be at church. She said, like, why don't you hold someone? Something? I said, no, nah, I'll hold my own baby. You know, I was being, <laughs> I was being selfish. I guess I was being selfish. He said, oh, someone's so got a new baby. Don't you? I said, yeah. I said, you hold him. I'll touch it. Oh, you know, you know, the old thing you do. So when Jada went after after Tracy was um, taken away, the nurse came and got me. Said, "You the father?" I said, "Yes, I am." You know, I said, Is "Somebody else?" No, <laughs> no. <laughs> but I said, uh, "I said yes, I am." She said, "Come with me." She said, "Have you ever held a baby?" I said, "No." She said, "Okay, well, we we're going to wrap her real tight and hold her in her arm." Now she is going to be hungry. So, have you fed a baby before? I said, "No, I haven't." She said, "Okay, this is a good learning opportunity." So and she's, our plan, we had gone through uh, Lamar's class. Yeah, so but, my plan was was to breastfeed first, right? But. But I, I didn't, I was like, yeah, I was in that class. I was just trying to get out of that class because it was just too much going on in there. <laughs> you know, all that breathing and all that stuff, you know, I, you know, anyway, I was trying to pay attention. I did my best, but I was like, oh, boy, that's just, I'm losing my breath. This is <laughs> but um, oh but what was so funny it was beautiful because that night it was it was quiet it was a dark it was in the middle of the night it was dark it was quiet it was peaceful and the nurse gave me jada and they gave me the 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 bottle to feed her and showed me how to feed her how to you know burp her and everything like that and then how to change her and everything and i was like wow this is amazing and i was her care i took care of her for the first 24 hours, two days, I guess, back and forth and whatnot, because they would bring her down to the room after Tracy came back from surgery, 
she was kind of out of it for a little bit. So me and Jada was buddies for for quite a while, you know, for for the first twenty four hours. You know, we talked about life and and what we're gonna do when we get older and everything <laughs> like that. You know, and she was just nodding and everything. No, I'm just joking, I'm just but it was so it was so amazing. So once Tracy was able to hold her and everything, you know, and, and then her they did then yep, she went through all that process and everything, and that was an experience. But um, I would say also, once we got her home. And whatnot, because again, we had already made her room prepared, you know, for uh, uh, newborn to come home and everything like that. And, and it, even that preparation was with, I say, anxiety because mm-hmm. are we building, are we preparing this room for a baby that we're going to actually bring home? Yeah. Um, and you know, but we we did, but it was with mixed emotions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so then when we got her home, and. Owen had prepared the home, you know, the home um, for, you know, for us to come. And we had already done the room. And I think that's when the fact that we were parents hit. Like, oh, my God, we got this just been us for seven years. And now we got this little chick here. Mm -hmm. What are we going to (laughs) do? Because one of my aunts, who's very outspoken, when she found out I was pregnant, she said, look here. Don't you let, I'm not going to tell you exactly what she said, because it's it's a lot of profanity in it. But anyway, Mm. she said, don't you let no baby stop you. Mm. She said, you put that baby on your back and keep it moving. Mm. And I tell you, that's what we did. We did. Jada was involved in everything we've ever done. Sure. And, um, but Owen, in interview format, Mm -hmm. you are an outstanding, you are an outstanding dad. Even when you've had to be deployed, go away. Um, you've had to play single parent when I've had to go away. Mm-hmm. Um, but you were you grew up in a single parent home. I mean, I know your dad was there, and you can talk about that to the extent you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was there for some part of your childhood, but mm-hmm. but you grew up in a single parent home. And some people would say that would make being a good father too challenging. Yeah. What say you? I say I say not. I said I think. I, I think folks, just to be honest, I think I'm built differently. I'm not sure how it happened. I think the intentions that God has for me is is unique in and of itself. Um, I believe because the environment that I came from, I I should have a lot of issues or could have issues. Granted, there was no abuse in my household. Um, Thank God. There was, yeah, there was no abuse in my household. Uh, we had moments of struggle and whatnot. But I had to grow up kind of fast, um, in a sense. But my mom, you know, was a, after my dad, my dad was in my life in my early years. You know, we were younger and things of that sort. Um, you know, he would make sure to come to the games and things of that sort. And, and he, he did what he had to do. But there was a point where they felt that they couldn't no longer be together. So they decided to separate. And that, at that time, we ended up moving into um, the projects and stuff like that. And my mom, I'm going to tell you, that lady um, raised us in a way, um, even though she had three boys, she's just five altogether she got, but the three of us were the, the last to, you know, to leave home. And we were, she started when we were 12 years old, even well, well before that, you know, she cared, always cared for the house and things like that. So, but she, she made sure she told us once upon a time, I remember her saying, she's, I'm going to raise y'all that you will never have to need a woman if you, if you had, if, you know, you will never have to be dependent upon a woman if you don't have to. And she gave us every tool that there was. She taught us how to wash uh, ourselves, our clothes, dishes, cook, uh, clean and everything. You know, it was a very disciplined, very disciplined lady. And um, she wanted to make sure that we stayed together, you know, and, and stay out of trouble and whatnot. And trust me, folks, I was in an environment where my life could have went two different, totally different directions quickly. But through the grace of God and through her guidance, uh, we stayed on track. And I appreciate her so much for now. She, she's passed away now. And I appreciate her Rest so much. Peace, I appreciate her so much for the gift that she gave us. And something my twin brother told me the other day that that he told her, and it's so true, she gave us a very big heart. That's why we love the way we love. That's, That's why we care the way we care. You know, and take care of your family. Take care she of your called family. y'all yes. her five kings. Yes. And to her, to tribute to her, for especially in the seventies, mm-hmm. a single parent with um 
with not a whole lot of education, mm -hmm. but with the will and the creativity and the love for her boys. Mm -hmm. I mean, to and 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 how many can say out of those five men, not one of them have uh, been in jail. Mm -hmm. All of them have great lives, have been public service, whether it be through military or uh, firemen. Firemen, two of yep. them, mm -hmm. but just have been the best husbands and fathers and that a lot of, by the grace of God, of course, mm. but by the work and the determination of your mother. Yeah. And when you said that she raised y'all so you wouldn't have to depend on a woman to cook and clean. I got, I, I have to say that about my dad. He said, you, you, you get married. Uh-huh. But you're going to know how to cut grass. You're going to know how to change the <laughs> tire. You're going to know how to, you know, <laughs> Have you ever set out to do something new and you weren't quite sure where to start or you didn't know if you had the right tools to get started and to do it right? Well, when it comes to podcasting, you don't have to worry about that anymore. Because if you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that will allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can even make money from your podcast if you want to with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Tell them Tracy Mack sent you. Peace. You've been listening to Black Women's World Podcast. But go ahead, babe. But yeah, but I, I think I think I think her her um her leading or, or teaching us how to become who we are. My first experience that I recall, you know, you have different turning points in life. And I recall it was a time we had, we were living in the project for a while. My wife, my mom said, well, you know, it's time for us to move, you know, again, let's move to somewhere much better for you. Because she always wanted us to have a good environment to come up in. And so we moved to uh, the area we lived in when we were younger. Uh, we were once living in a home, a house, a single dwelling. And then we moved to the projects. And from there, we moved back to the area, but in an apartment, but it was a very nice apartment complex. So I recall one day, y'all, um, when I was a kid, uh, I, was, I think I was about 16, maybe 15 years old. I'm about 15. And I remember coming home from school that day and my mom was outside. She had just checked the mailbox and everything like that. And we were just talking, you know, and she said, I said, mommy, you okay. And she said, no. And she said, well, baby, I'm sorry, but we may have to move back to the projects. And y'all, I'm going to tell you right now, that was a, those words rang in my ears like a like like someone put a horn in you know one of those those blasting horns from a football game, and it just rang in my ear. I didn't think I hear any heard anything else she said. She said we may have to move back to the projects, you know. I said, now, and I think the reason was because you know rent was going up where we were and everything. She said I, I'm trying my best to hold on with you guys, just that and the other, but I it's just rough right now. I got to go back to where you know I can afford things. And I said, Mom, I'll be right back. Y'all, let me tell you something. That day I got on my little orange ten speed bike. Little 15-year-old boy, I rode all around parts of Charleston to find a job that day. Mm -hmm. And I think that opportunity, that, that ushered me into a whole nother level of responsibility and thought, I found a job. I worked as a, um, uh, basically, a, a, I worked in a, in a department store, just cleaning windows, cleaning bathrooms in the afternoon, sweeping the floors. And from that point, uh, time progressed from there. Um, and I gradually moved to the registers and things of that sort. <laughs> just like, I'm all coming to America. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I'm just washing I'm just lettuce. Washing lettuce. <laughs> uh, before you know it. And, 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 and it, was, it was one of those pivotal moments in my life that I felt like if I went back to that environment, y'all, I would not be who I am today. Mm. I just mm. saw that, that glimpse mm. of life, mm. you know, of what could have happened. And granted, I went through the process, got that done. And what happened, that ushered me into my next level of life, which was the military next. 
and so forth from there. My brothers, of course, did their part. And help and take care of home. Help and take care of home. You know, and, and I, I sent money home um, on a consistent basis to, you know, so my wife, my, my wife, my mom can be comfortable, you know, um, as well as my brothers that were still at home, that were still going through school as well. So how do you, with, with all that, and that's rich. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people think rich is just money, but to be able to say that you had a mom, like I said, in the 70s, that was mm-hmm. an awkward time. Yeah, it was. To raise, ultimately, five, but mm-hmm. three at the home at the, in the same time, mm-hmm. at the same time. Seeing her work hard, do, because mm-hmm. uh, she was great seamstress yeah. and could sew and, and, and just very creative. And I think that's where all y'all get it from. Mm-hmm. But how do you think that played into your parenting with not having a dad in the home? Mm -hmm. How does that play into your parenting? I think it was the, it was the perfect, um, mat, uh, the perfect clear mat or or canvas. Should I say the perfect canvas? Because I was able to have the opportunity to create what I think I wanted. I think when Jada came home the first night I prayed over her and I said, Lord, I don't want to ever become tired of being a parent or her dad. Mm-hmm. I want to be her dad to the ends of the earth and keep me and watch over me. Give me the wisdom I need, the knowledge, the understanding to be the best that I could be and the patience to be all that I can be. And that ushered me into that opportunity. Cause when I had, when I, when, I, when we had Jada, I had never had the experience before. So therefore the canvas was still nice and white and clean. So it allowed me to build what I wanted to see. I wanted to build a partnership, so to speak, it doesn't sound business-like, whatever, but it was a partnership with family, with my family, with my daughter, with my wife, you know, to be the best that we can be. I said, I know I'm going to have to go to games, I have to go to do homework, do these different things. But to me, I took it as a, not only a challenge, but fun, you know, and I wanted it to be exciting and whatnot. And and I think it ushered me into, um, to, to being um, a responsible individual quickly and realizing the responsibility, but didn't a lot of responsibility to consume me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. a lot of responsibility to be fun and enjoyable and accepted, you know, versus saying, man, I don't want to take care of these kids. I, th- I, I could have taken the route my dad took, mm-hmm. you know, uh, my dad decided to go another direction. I could have been that person, mm-hmm. but I chose to go another way. And same thing with my brothers. Likewise, too, they, they love their families, their, their kids, the relationships are strong and things of that sort. So we we figure that, you know, well, we realize something in our in us, in our DNA mm-hmm. said, you know, this is what you should do. And this is what's right. So you, know? you were able to use what you didn't have to mm-hmm. build what. What? Yeah. What is what was necessary okay. to to um to, to make a, a successful relationship. Mm-hmm. I, I, me, me and Jada, we like buddies. We could be, mm-hmm. we laugh at some of the same things. Sometimes y'all. Well, what do you think about that <laughs> word buddy? Because a lot of people will say you can't be friends with your children. And I'm going to say from my perspective, mm-hmm. um, you can't, but it grows into that mm-hmm. because I, talking about the seventies, right. you know, back in the seventies, your mom and your daddy was yeah, on a whole other vibe back then. I mean, version. you, well, no friendship. Friendship. Mm, you get popped in the mouth. What? Yeah, go fetch your buddy. <laughs> go fetch your buddy, man. I know you ain't looking at my mouth. <laughs> this grown folks business. You know, you yeah. didn't. But I must say that even with my, my parents, mm-hmm. we are friends. Mm-hmm. So I don't think your children are friends when they're children. Right. But when you treat them like human beings, because some people mm-hmm. just talk to their children any kind of way. I did. I've, mm-hmm. I never talked to Jada even at even if I was angry with her, I never talked to her any different than I would if I was angry with a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I don't. Some people use their children uh, to tell off, mm-hmm. you know. And I'd rather tell somebody else off than my child because they're gonna remember right. that, and not only remember how it affects their psyche, mm-hmm. their esteem, or whatever, but. They're going to remember that junk when it come time to take care of you. Yeah, boy. <laughs> it will determine so. what home you be in. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was, um, you know, my parents were together the whole time I was growing up. They didn't divorce until um, 2006. Mm. But Jada was little then. Um, but, you know, it, so we, we have different perspectives. But something you said a few minutes ago, you said, 
a partnership. And I think mm-hmm. that's what it may sound cold to some people, right. but it was almost like we treated her like a little commodity. Yeah. yeah. Um, that I was not going to let her be quote unquote spoiled because mm-hmm. she was an only child. She was going to work. She was, and she knows a work ethic. Mm-hmm. Um, she's going to understand the meaning of work and the value of it. And life is, I understand that she was going to grow up into this world where black women, mm-hmm. she's a black woman, so she could not have things handed to her. Mm-hmm. Um, she had to have some moxie and some grit. Mm-hmm. And even though I was trying to instill that, I think the, I don't like to say disabilities. I like to say different abilities. I mm-hmm. think the different abilities she was born with had to give her that moxie, right. that grit. So I didn't have to instill it as much as I thought because that disability put it upon her. Right. And so my uh, end of the partnership for this business we were in of parenting was to make sure that as a black woman mm-hmm. um, and that she would eventually be my friend, mm-hmm. I'm going to handle her. She's not my friend right now. We ain't on equal. She's still not on equal uh, playing field with me because she can't take care of herself. Right. (laughs) But as a black woman, I know what the world has for you. So I'm going to have to teach you what you're going to have to be to the world. Mm. So I'm the tough side. You got that good cop, bad cop. Mm. I'm that tough side. You need to know how to take care of yourself, hygienically, mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, And I always like to say you're the good cop side Mm. that based on your being a father and a great father, and ain't just blowing smoke up your wahoo, you are a great dad that you're making it very hard Mm -hmm. on her Mm -hmm. to have a man in her life because what I have not taught her to do for herself, Mm. you got to do this for yourself and don't let no man have to do, not that independent black woman that don't need no man, Mm -hmm. but that black woman that can have an interdependent relationship, be able to do it for yourself or be able to do it for yourself in a way that you know what it looks like or what you need to be done for you. Right. So where I have taught her to, you need to do all of this for yourself. You have come in and, and been that, that place that, I don't know what she's going to do with it. Well, you know, and I think, and I I appreciate that because my thing is, I look at it this way and whatnot. I want to show her the the pinnacle Mm -hmm. of what it looks like to be a caring man. Okay. I I mean, I don't want to set the bar so high that she can't achieve. I think she can. I think she'll know when to, and I think she'll know when to, raise the relationship up. If she said meet someone that's not quite up to par, but has the potential. I think that she, I want her to be able to identify that, that spirit in someone and whatnot, because I'm going to tell you right now, as I get glimpses of different things that I see right now. Yeah. Some of that stuff, I ain't got nothing to do with, but that chick is tough boy. And, and whatnot. But because when she's trying to, up, she, trying to blame me on the well, sneak, she could. Yes. So Tracy's DNA be popping up. I was like, oh, boy, he's going to get it. So anyway, you know, <laughs> I do what I do. But I also want to know. I want her to see. I want her to identify what taking care of me could be like or is like if someone had to take care of me and whatnot. I want her to know and identify that what that looks like and whatnot not being handled in a, in a disrespectful fashion and, and, and handled with respect. Mm-hmm. Right. And that she likewise, you know, pays the same respect as exactly. well, exactly. you know, um, vice versa. So reciprocate the process. But, but I think um, that comes with knowing your roles. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we have made, we made distinct roles where mm-hmm. we communicated and then sometimes our roles would blend. Yeah. I, I can recall several times, uh, Owen, when, whether I be working because sometimes mm-hmm. my work was weekends or going out of town mm-hmm. or whatever. And there would be events that Jada and uh, things she was involved in where you had to take her, right. whether it be cheerleading practice or mm-hmm. uh, uh, volleyball or mm-hmm. tennis. She was in, we, we, she was in piano practice, she dance, uh, dance, <laughs> yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, she was in Jabberwock. Yeah. Different, but, I can recall 
getting whether it be whispered feedback mm-hmm. or even uh, uh, word on the street. Where's her mama? Right. Her mom. Well, her mama should be bringing her to this. Where's her mama? Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, man, bounce. Y'all don't even have a clue. Just, just shut up. Right. <laughs> right. Because they didn't know we had already established mm-hmm. where I may have been in. Uh, California somewhere mm-hmm. or Atlanta doing this, that, and the other. We had already established, Owen, Jada has this at right. this time and take her here. Uh, the only thing we didn't quite get right was the hair. Doing her well, hair. That, uh, yeah. <laughs> Did that. Yeah, because, man, oh, wait, we'll, we'll talk about that. Now. I mean, that was that was a challenge thing because Jada, <laughs> even now, you know, now she knows how to do her own hair and different like that. Back then, she had this always had this desire to do something different and I couldn't do it. Because she, her mama, her <laughs> mama would hook her hair up. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that whole thing of male versus female, mm-hmm. um, what should be done, I think in the business, the business of parenting, yeah. um, we establish roles. There are certain things that some people, and, and what all we're saying it's whatever works for you, do do what works for you. We're just mm-hmm. sharing what works for us as right. it pertains to black love and light. Because right. parenting and family is encompasses mm-hmm. black love and light. And even when we didn't see eye to eye as a couple, mm-hmm. we had to see eye to eye as a parent as parents. Right. And uh, we did not call each other out of our names. Mm-hmm. So she don't have a clue what that's like. So right. if somebody ever does it, it's a red flag. Right. Um, there was no physical abuse. So mm-hmm. if somebody ever even think it's a red flag. Right. So, and she's by far, she's by far not a perfect child because we're imperfect parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but if she gets into anything negative, that'll be some stuff she drummed up. That ain't nothing that we put there. Right. So I thank God for her. She has a relationship with God, even when it pertains to religion and church mm-hmm. and, and, and what we believe. We want her to believe, and she does. She believes in the Christian faith like we do, but we exposed her to other things so she would have a working knowledge mm-hmm. of what else is out there. Not whether or not she chooses those things, mm-hmm. but you can't raise your child up in a a, um, a cave, a mental cave. Mm-hmm. You have to let them know what's out there so they can make their own choices. Because mm-hmm. I wasn't raising a little Tracy mm-hmm. or a little Owen. We were raising a Jada. Right. And she has, and she has taken full advantage of it, because even even when she was little, like one thing Tracy did that was beautiful was that she learned her learned to to have, to make choices early, you know, whether with with clothing or things of that sort, you know. And I got talked about for that too. Yeah, and, but I did it because she wasn't talking. Jada didn't talk until mm-hmm. she was three, but she could think, right? And she could communicate. Mm-hmm. So we would be we would be around relatives or, or, or church family or um, even in the store and people would hear me say, Jada, do you want this or that? Mm-hmm. Like I'd hold up a little dress. You want this one or that? Because she's too little. Like she she ain't buying her clothes. How you gonna let her choose her own clothes? And da 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 da. And I would just like, man, again, shut up. You don't know what I'm working with here. I'm trying to teach my child to communicate with me. Mm-hmm. And the way we communicate is I need to know what she's thinking. Because she's not able to tell me with her mouth. Mm-hmm. So, and she would pick the color dress. I could say, Jada, go, she wouldn't talk, remember. So I would say, go get the the pink comb, the blue brush, the jar of grease, and a towel and come back. She would leave the room, still not speaking, mm-hmm. and come back with everything. Mm-hmm. And I would say, which color bowls would you want? And she would point. So while other people were thinking I was spoiling my child by giving her choices, I was teaching my child, number one, how to make choices, know what you like, and number two, how to communicate with me mm-hmm. the best way she and I could figure it out because it was just she and I because right. Owen was deployed mm-hmm. um, and gone to war. So I had to work it out. So as a parent, you got to establish your own stuff with your, your children. And yes, you can take advice and listen to people, but sometimes you got to cut that stuff off. Mm-hmm. Just right. cut it completely off and do what works for you. So to this day, she's an, she's excellent when it comes to making choices mm-hmm. because she was groomed that way when she could not communicate other ways. Yeah. And and I, let me add this to it, too. <clears throat> you know, when it comes to that, that, that so-called spoiled word and whatnot, you know, some people say to me, like I, I ran into some colleagues the other day and they remember Jada coming to visit me at work. 
And they said, how old is your daughter now? I said, uh, she's uh, she's 19. Oh, my God, she's grown. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and everything. She said, she said, I bet you got her spoiled to death now, don't you? I said, I sure do. And I said, you know, mm-hmm. I said, let me tell you something. One thing I learned early. Why say no when you can say yes? If you set yourself up or set your way up of life in a sense that you can always say yes, why not say it? And see, y'all, see, that's where I come in as the no police. (laughs) 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 Because he is already, he's always on the yes setup. And Mm -hmm. I'm on the, okay, black female, she may not always have her father around. I may not always, but she's an only child. She has to have a no police because she has to develop her work ethic. She has to develop so many different things that other races of people don't have to think about and the opposite gender doesn't have to think about. Mm-hmm. So I'd be like, hey, can you pump that that yes break right now and let her figure out how mm-hmm. she can get this and do this on her own. Let her figure out um, what needs to be done. Let her assess the situation, have problem solving skills, critical thinking skills. Mm-hmm. So she knows and not that he I don't I know Owen didn't want her not to have those things. Mm-hmm. But as a person who has always been one to provide he he just needed me to come in as the no police or at mm-hmm. least the wait police <laughs> yes but that she i think we we um like i said imperfect because mm-hmm. we've made mistakes and we have had to call on that's the other thing parenting sometimes you got to call on other relationships to help you co-parent that's right because right now i have girlfriends in my life why tell jada if you can't talk to me because either i'm i'm getting too old for for your opinion or we just not setting horses right now, you can call any of these women and they don't have to tell me you call Mm -hmm. because at 19, we may not agree, but I trust this one, this one, and this one Mm -hmm. for you to call and tell on me when she was little. I was like, you can call them to even tell on me if you think I'm doing something wrong, because you can't tell me to my face because that's going to be a problem. We're going to have a (laughs) misunderstanding. And I'm going to bust your head to the white meat. <laughs> <laughs> but you can call these people. So sometimes you have to incorporate whether co-parenting outside of your home, mm-hmm. as well as maybe mentoring programs right. or things like that, because it does take a village. It does. It takes a, it takes a village. And, and it's meaningful because at least it gives her resources that she can actually um, uh reach out to, you know, outside, you know, unbiased opinions sometimes and some things. And not only that, as she's getting older, you know, and, and, and moving on, she's going to need those skills in the marketplace for sure, mm-hmm. you know, to negotiate um, uh, contracts or deals or jobs mm-hmm. and things of that sort. So all those part of those, uh, those um, uh, communication skills mm-hmm. and, and building those things and whatnot. So I think, I think it's great. I, I, I uh, appreciate the role p- portions of that. Now, one of the biggest things that I'm teaching her is patience because she wants bigger things now. So, you know, it's going to thing called patience that have to take and place. She can, and she can work with them. And she can work things. with them. She sure can. <laughs> she sure can. But she's understanding. And so we've talked about, Owen, in part one of Black Love and Light, we've talked mm-hmm. about friendship and marriage. And as we've uh, matriculated mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. part two, parenting and family, um, we talk about business and we kind of talked about how Jada was a little commodity for us that we, we approach parenting like a, a like a contract to right. some degree where we knew our roles, uh, roles, what, what was clear, mm-hmm. uh, some things it wasn't clear. Right. Um, but we worked through it. And, but when it comes to business, mm-hmm. because we've been able to even blend business and marriage. And I think I said earlier in the, at least in part one, um, uh, of the black love and marriage, I mean, black love and like, um, my role, I'm, I'm more in the public eye as mm-hmm. far as what I do, uh, entrepreneurial spirit. I'm a, um, a visionary. I project and you've never been one to been jealous or hold me, attempted to hold me back mm-hmm. or, um, and I like to say that, um, you, you've built, you've built several platforms for me, even literally, <laughs> but yeah. virtually, personally, professionally, and, and spiritually. And um, on the part one of this, we even talked about how we had a, a premarital coaching course we, we've done in a mm-hmm. workshop called Better Together. Mm-hmm. And people don't know that we built that during the most turbulent times of our relationships yeah. that we, we had to build our own workbook. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And we we basically use that mm-hmm. to create the course, the class, and the workshop. Right. But how do you do that, Owen? Um, because some men will think it's weak. Some women will even think it's weak that my visibility or to the degree that I am public with a lot of the things I do, um, and you're um definitely my 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 greatest supporter and my loudest cheerleader, mm-hmm. but a lot of t- but but and most consistent. And you're my loudest cheerleader, but even in quiet and behind the scenes, it speaks volumes. How do you do that? Well, I, I think I kind of alluded to a little bit in the previous um, episode, but one of the key things I believe is uh, you have to know your space, right? If you, if you as a, an individual, if you don't know who you are or you don't have something going for yourself, you can become very messy. Um, in a sense of worrying about who that person is and the other, let them be who they are. When I left the military, when I do my military life, I took this family all around the world in different locations. But when I retired, I said to myself, I'm here for you guys to serve you. And I believe that even now in what I do, um, uh, employment wise, things of sort, I'm still serving. And by knowing and having myself established in my own way, I have, I have no, no, uh, no issues. I believe that my best support and my best way forward is to make sure that this person I'm supporting has everything they need. And I think that's part of the collaborative portion of the relationships and whatnot and growing that. But just having and knowing who you are establishes that. And not only that, just, I, I don't, I don't, I guess, I guess the way I'm made up, um, I don't have a, a competitive spirit in me. My thing is, I think it's, I think it should be a teamwork effort. Because I know one thing. I know some households, and I hope I'm not stepping on any feet here, but somehow households have two different accounts. You have a his account, her account. Then you have the house account. That's yeah, just black love and life yeah, has to do with black money too. Yeah, and, and that's just too many accounts. I, I don't, that's just too complicated for me. I think well, I said, we we do have it in a certain way. Yeah, like uh, we all the money comes into one. I think that's right. what you mean. Right. We we have all the money coming to one, and then we do. After everything is taken care mm-hmm. of, we pay ourselves. Though, right. then he got his money and her money. Right. That we do not have to give each other an account correct, for. Correct. But when you run, when you're running two, two parallel peoples, so to speak, situations, and and then at times things cross over and and whatnot, that can be very complicated, and that can cause issues too. Because well, what did you do with your money? What did you do with your money? Da, da, da. That can cause some problems. But I think with us. I think business-wise and, and knowing who I am, I'm secure. I'm comfortable in my own skin um, so as an individual. So you think that self-discovery is the key? Oh, yes. That you know who you are, mm-hmm. so then you're not threatened by anything. what somebody else is doing. Oh, yeah, you're, you're not threatened. You anything. I don't I, think I, you're threatened by know. anything. I think the self-discovery portion is such a pivotal piece of who you are as an individual because what happens is no matter what happens on around you, you are solid in who you are. Absolutely. So no matter what comes or what goes, especially like I mentioned, I think in an earlier episode about um, the environment that we're in now, because it's so chaotic at times, mm-hmm. if you don't have that wherewithal within you, you can be sliding left or right, right. and whatnot versus right. staying in the middle of the road and let things come and deal with them accordingly when they do occur. I think self-discovery <clears throat> is an anchor. Yeah. And I can't, absolutely. I know people get tired of me. That, that's, that's my message. Mm-hmm. Self-discovery. You have to know who you are. So everyone else knows who they are getting. Right. Right. Because if you are self-ignorant, you jack up every relationship you mm. have, especially if you're letting somebody else dictate to you who you are, right. or if you're letting a title be the sum total of who you are, or mm. if you get lost in the stardom or the notoriety of being called this or that. I don't want to name a title because mm. I don't want y'all to think I'm coming for you, but I know who I am mm-hmm. and that changes. Right. And that's why self-discovery is an ongoing process. You don't self-discover, period. It's a journey. Right. <laughs> it's self-discovery is a journey. So who I was 27 years ago, I'm no longer her. Mm-hmm. And who I was five years ago, I'm no longer her. But I have to know that. Mm-hmm. And then I have to say, Owen, this has changed. Mm-hmm. Though, And I only say that in those areas that affect him. Right. And you have to know who you are. And I appreciate, because you did make that 
that promise, so, so to speak, when we were moving all about and I'd have to do things because you were the positions you had in military, whether it be uh, entertain the troops, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, having mm. hobnobbing and going mm. to things. And I don't like gala life. I'm not a social butterfly in the sense of dressing up. I do it when I have to. Mm. Um, and I'm gonna look good now, but going mm. to events and, you know, and though, and Owen loves that. Oh, he oh, likes yes. to put on a tux and go to an event where they're going to serve you a piece of hard dry chicken and some <laughs> gravy and three string beans and a hard <laughs> piece of pie. I do not. Now, if you see me there and I can get around some good people, I'm going to have a good time. But for the most part, I want to put my sneakers back on. Mm. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Let's hit the dance floor for a little bit and have a good time. But Owen loves that. And that was an area where we still to this day have to have a meeting of the minds mm -hmm. because he's going to say yeah to every invitation, get the ticket and we going. And I'm going to be like, mm. cause you know, it's funny. Cause you said, cause that was <laughs> last year and she's beginning. She, oh, what do you want to see for this year? Oh girl, I want to go to something, something, uh, formal, at least every once a month. quarter, you know, once a quarter. Every month. Yeah. One, yeah. Every month it's, if possible, but one quarter, but I think cause like this year was going to be the year that, you know, see, I had all my stuff lined him. up. That's why 2020 happened the way it did. Cause <laughs> 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 blame <laughs> <laughs> oh, Blame oh my God. See, I didn't even have a vision for 2020. <laughs> Not one thing came to my mind. And he came out, Let, let's go to let's go to an event or yeah. something. Get dressed up. At least, you know. I even uh, told him one time, let's just show up at somebody else's stuff that we weren't even invited to see if we can get in. See, and he see, <laughs> see, see what see what I gotta deal with? See? And he meant that thing. Um, but I'm like, okay, first of all, who we gonna sit with? Because I don't I don't I I can I can pretty I don't meet a stranger, mm -hmm. but I don't vibe with everybody. Plus, I got the introvert, extrovert, so I'm an ambivert. So I don't want to be out too long all the time with people I just got to show face with. And he's like, <laughs> and people think he's quiet. And based on this interview, <laughs> I fooled am. you. But <laughs> what? I am. I'm shy, too. <laughs> lies, all lies. But I'm thinking dress, spanks, mm. hair. And he's just thinking, let's go. But I'm um, so, but I've had to do those. I had to do those things for years mm. with him militarily. So when he got ready to retire and he decided he wanted to continue his federal service, he was like, okay, it's your turn. Mm -hmm. I'm going to support you. Just like, and I, we didn't keep score. So right. to speak, you, I, you did three, I did two, but he said, I'm going to support you. And I don't know if he knew what type of roller coaster ride that would be mm -hmm. because entrepreneurship is a roller coaster ride in and of itself. And then when you're doing it with a visionary and somebody who has a level of, I would say, prophetic insight, mm -hmm. um, I can be a piece of work. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, she can be. Because sometimes she'll be, I'll come home from work, y'all. And she'll just say, hey, what you think about this? This right? I'm like, oh, my God, here we go again. So it's like one thing, one of the most beautiful things, I think, in, in, in my in my election after I retired to, to the path I wanted to take. I wanted to make sure it was something that was going to be a strictly eight, uh, nine to five type thing. And my weekends were free and I had to worry about different things because I'm going to tell you, when my first job, I was asking them, I said, so do I have to work on the weekends sometimes too? They said, oh no, Mr. McNeil, you don't have to work on the weekends. I said, really? No duty or nothing? You know, I'm military minded thinking, no duty or nothing? Oh no, you're just. And then they said, no extensive travel? No extensive travel? I said, and they said, because if, if you do, we have to pay you overtime. I said, really? <laughs> I said, it's fine. I, I'll just keep the eight. I'll, I'll work the straight eight then. How about that? You know, but. But we're laughing, but it's been yeah. hard. Yeah, it's been We've hard. We've had times where schedules clashed or mm -hmm. there was something that, um, and I've had to learn to, um, I can't remember, we talked about in the uh, first first part one mm -hmm. about how you can't, your spouse can't be your everything. Yeah. I can't put all the weight of my entrepreneurial spirit, my spiritual my 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 love and like for other friends and and relationships i can't put all of that on owen all the time mm -hmm. so I, I may have a a business idea that i think is great and i may mention it to him but i really have to put the weight on that on a business coach mm -hmm. or i have to put the weight on that on therapy <laughs> yeah. or any other form of self-help that i choose to use and he does the same now we handle our self-help different mm -hmm. but that goes to show the magnitude of 
who we are doesn't rest, at least the way it works with us, doesn't rest on one person being responsible to be your soundboard, your sounding board and yeah, in different aspects. Because, you know, there's, there's things now, you know, um, in my current um, role that I have, um, I have to deal with so much information security related matters uh, that sometimes um, when I come home, I don't want to talk about this or that or or we need to do this. We need to, I want a little break, you know, but thank goodness that I do commute a great distance so I get and, a chance to unwind and we before do I get need, home. we do need a break. Yeah, we you do. You know, we, we do need a break and we get that break. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's just been, but I will say out of whether it be part one of Black Love and Light or this part two, that whether it be friends, marriage, uh, family and parenting and business, mm-hmm. I think by the grace of God and all the, the deep woohoo spooky spiritual stuff that, that we do would be prayer, meditation, yeah. communication. Those things are wonderful. I would say if I were to put a bow on what makes it work, even when it doesn't feel like it's working, even when we've gotten angry, argued, uh, whatever, all the negative stuff, I think the bow that makes us work is laughter. Yes, ma'am. Oh, boy, I agree. Because <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, let me, let me tell you something, y'all. And this is real talk, right? All these years, you know, like she mentioned in the previous episode and even some of this about sicknesses and health and things like that, with some of the things that she's been dealing with with her vessel at times and whatnot, I I have found them to be comedic at times. <laughs> she don't see it that way. But How if you I can, laugh at your wife? I, I, yeah, you know... I just, I just, I don't know. It just comes, y'all. And, and the thing is, at the wrong time, at the wrong time, and it's so perfect though, because <laughs> when it happens, you know, it get, I get her to laugh to change her atmosphere, you know, for a peaceful day. Until I get pissed off, until she get to cuss yeah. you out. And then, I, then that's when I leave the room and go say, I, I, I think I hear, I hear, I hear my cousin calling me or something, and I leave the room, <laughs> the room, <laughs> and whatnot. But, but you does. have to laugh at yourself. You a sense to. of humor mm-hmm. is, and I will tell you, I got male friends in my life. I'm going to tell you, I love them. God knows I love them. And one of the main reasons why, because we can laugh. My <laughs> girlfriends can laugh too, but when my girlfriends, that's a different kind of laugh. When I laugh with the dudes and Owen, oh my God, it's that kind of laughter that'll give you a headache and make you feel lightheaded. <laughs> but um, I just appreciate Laughter, mm-hmm. laughing with each other and at each other. Yes. Um, because I mean, I have physical, you know, s- situations, medical conditions, and Owen has some conditions, and it's like I can laugh at him too. <laughs> <laughs> but Owen, I want to thank you for being my first official guest on the Black Women's World podcast. Oh, you're welcome. You saying it all diplomatic? Yes. <laughs> I will make sure my agents talk to you. See, we can get myself back on here again. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to thank you. Will you come mm. back to the show frequently? Sure, I'll be glad to do that. As a, as one of my uh, resident co-hosts, sometimes. Sure, that'll be beautiful. Okay, so we can. Uh, this is a Black Women's World. Uh, but we do have men in our world. That's right. Um, and I, I thank you uh, for committing to, uh, for, for, for being with me after all these years and uh, how our relationship has grown, changed, expanded, contracted, hell, high water, ups, mm. downs, in, out. Um, and I don't know what the future holds, but today, as you told me early on, That's right. will you just be with me today? Yes. And you got it for the rest of the day. Oh, thank you. And you got to act right because well, tomorrow... Tomorrow is not promised. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's true. But thank you, Owen. Um, Owen will be back from time to time as one of my resident co-hosts. We'll we'll either be talking to Owen or he'll be talking, he and I will be talking uh, to someone else. But thank you so much for uh, being one who embraces the sister Nista lover vibe in such a real way. And uh, we appreciate you here. Any any parting words, sir? No, I, only parting words I would say is that just stay real, love hard, enjoy the love, and enjoy the ride of the like, because it means so much, you know, to not only yourself but also to that other person that's being um, the receiver of that. 
Thank you. So, again, thank you, Mr. Owen. And um, we appreciate you. And again, uh, please uh, feel free to share, like, tag, subscribe, because Black love and like is so real. And it's something that we should be proud of, because remember, Black means prized and powerful, and woman and man means dignified and dignity, mm -hmm. and put that together, and put it together on the table of love and like. Define your relationship. Determine what works for you in spite of what other people may say or think. Um, because if you are anywhere near our ages, we're on the, uh, the north side of 50. Um, we we will, I think I want to live to be at least 110. Mm. But most yes. of us have, have more years behind us than ahead of us. And we're going to enjoy it as our relationship evolves. And no matter what you ever hear about on and on in the future, we good right now. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And if nothing else, today. So remember, it's a black woman's world, baby. And you, my sister Nista, and my sister Nista lovers are proof. I'm Tracy Mack. Peace. You've been listening to Black Women's World Podcast, brought to you by Tracy Mack Solutions for Life Institute, coaching and training services. No doubt you've enjoyed being in our world, and it doesn't have to stop here. Head on over to blackwomensworld.com, where we keep our sisterhood growing. This is my personal invitation to you. There, you can join our tribe of Sister Nistas and Sister Nista lovers in our Facebook community, where we keep the conversation going, ways to stay connected with me on social media, and more. I'd love to see you there, and I'm so grateful that you came to be with me here. Remember to be kind, to be authentic, to be generous, to be excellent, to be grateful. And while you're at it, go ahead and be extraordinary. Because that's what Sistanistas do. On purpose, through mission, with passion and compassion. Invite someone else to join you in our queendom next time. So they can feel the black women's world love too. I'm your host, Tracy Mack. Peace.